0: So it's me again, my name is Tony Brewer, you're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now we're not going to keep the matter in our heart, we're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk a little about the Christian and self-defense. I have received a very specific question about the Christian and self-defense, not whether or not a Christian has the ability or the right, rather, from God to defend himself or herself with extreme prejudice, in other words, deadly force. But how can one claim that a Christian does have the right to defend themselves or their personal property or their family with deadly force in light of the commandment to love your enemies and do good to those that hate you? Well, that's a good question. And before we answer that question specifically, I want to uh, turn our attentions to to two passages of Scripture that we must consider whenever we talk about the Christian in self-defense, and we're going to lay the foundation. And if you have any questions, if you have any objections, uh, put those in the comment section, and I will address them. I will try to answer them as best I can. Now, I want to start by saying, David Lipscomb, most of us are familiar with David Lipscomb, a great man in the faith. He was a dyed-in-the-wool pacifist. And as far as I can tell on this side of eternity, he will be spending an eternity in heaven. He wrote a lot about his position of pacifism. He did not believe that a Christian could um, go to war. He did not believe a Christian could be a policeman. He believed a Christian must be a conscientious objector. But he understood that not everybody held that view, and from my understanding, he did not make a test of fellowship out of this. If you fall into that camp that you are a pacifist and you cannot, in good conscience, a either a carry a deadly weapon or b uh, arm yourself in some other way to um, execute deadly force, or to to use deadly force in the protection of your life, or the life of someone you love, or even the preservation of your property, then you're you're going to have a hard time with some of the things that I say. And I would just pray that you would allow me to say them and understand that this is a this is an issue of conscience and not an issue of fellowship. Okay. I cannot I cannot stress this enough. What we are going to be talking about tonight is an issue of conscience. It is not an issue of fellowship. And if you have an issue of conscience where you think that a Christian must be a pacifist, that means you must be a pacifist. Then understand that not everybody has not, not everybody has that issue of conscience. But I have been asked, how can you say that a Christian has the authorization from God to use deadly force in defense of his life or the life of people he loves, or even in the preservation and retention of his property, when there is a commandment, a very explicit commandment that's easily understood to love your enemies and do good to them that hate you, all right? Now, uh, we already have a good comment from Deborah O'Neill. I'm not obligated to let somebody hurt me. that's That's a good place to start, Deborah. But let's go to these two passages of scriptures. Incidentally, hello all. I can see you there. Uh, Henry McClure, Scott Wall, Diana Hardin. uh, uh, Henry McClure is there again. Um, I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. Wayne Vaughn, Jenny Blackwell, Trisha Ricks, and Connie Barden. Good deal. That's it, Connie. It shouldn't be a matter of fellowship, but some do make it so. You know, Connie... Ain't that the way it is with a lot of stuff? We make these things the test of fellowship. And I'm like, why? As a holdover from the sermon we just heard, there are some things in Scripture that if you don't know, it's not going to hurt you. But there are some things in Scripture that if you don't know, it will hurt you. There are some things in Scripture that must be agreed upon. And there are some things in Scripture that it doesn't matter whether or not we agree upon them. We just can't make them a test of fellowship. Pardon me. Okay. Well, first off, let's look at these verses. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 21. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. Now, even taking this verse out of context, this is a general statement, and the implication is that the strong man fully armed has the authority, Jesus, Jesus said this, and when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. If this wasn't a truth, then this, what Jesus was trying to teach these people would not make sense. Let's go all the way back to verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against itself falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. So he's saying, you're telling, you're telling folks that I cast out devils. I'm doing miracles by the power of Satan. Well, how can a house—I'm against Satan. If I'm preaching against Satan, then how can a house divided against itself stand? It doesn't. It falleth. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him, and overcometh him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted, and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Now, you might, say, you might be thinking, well, Tony, you can't really use that when a strong man armed, keep of this palace as good, you're in peace, because the strong man here is Satan. Well, you're exactly right. Jesus is telling them look, Satan is the strong man of the house, and Satan is going to be fighting to keep his house but one stronger than satan the christ is come and is spoiling the house is taking from satan that which currently belongs to him that cannot happen unless you bind the strong man first why is that because it is a universal truth that a strong man has the right even satan Has the right to protect that which is his and to retain that which is his. A lot of liberal leftists say that the Bible teaches that we don't even have a right to personal property. Right here, Jesus is acknowledging we have a right to personal property and we have a right to go to great extremes to retain that personal property, not to mention the protection of our loved ones, precious souls for whom Christ died. So we have to understand that verse and what it's teaching. And before we we interpret any other verse, any other verse that we think teaches that a Christian cannot arm themselves in order to keep their palace and allow their goods
1: to be in peace, before we interpret any other verse, we have to acknowledge that it's a universal truth that a strong man can go armed and will keep his palace. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 22.
0: Many of you know already where I'm going. Uh, Luke 22,
1: 56, I think. 22, 36, 56, I can't read my writing. Oh, no wonder that looks funny. I was in the wrong chapter. It's got to be 22, 36.
0: Yeah, man, that was terrible. I would show you this, but I'm too embarrassed. That three that I wrote looks just like a five. And I'm not even going to, you just imagine for yourselves how the how I did that. All right, Luke chapter 22, verse 36. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it. Likewise his scrip, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. And I've heard this verse twisted and torn about and wrestled with. Look, he was telling the disciples, the apostles, I'm sending you out on the Great Commission. Before, when I sent you out on the Limited Commission, I said, carry no purse,
1: don't carry any money, don't even carry a possible's bag. But now, is different.
0: You have to outfit yourself for this missionary journey. You need to make sure you have a weapon to defend yourself. You need to make sure you have a possibles bag so you can take care of yourself, and you need to make sure you have money so you can purchase things for yourself. Why is that? Why will I need to have a sword to defend myself with? Because you're going to be numbered amongst the transgressors. People are going to try to kill you for who you are and who you've associated with. That
1: doesn't need to happen. Let's go back. That's it. it absolutely, Connie. Luke 22, 36 gives us the right to defend ourselves, and there's no doubt about it. Um, all right. I'm going to start in verse 35.
0: When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, did you lack anything? And they said, We didn't lack anything. But now, verse 36, you need to take your purse, you need to take your scrip, and if you don't have a sword, sell your coat and buy one. For Verse 37, For I say unto you, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, It is enough. Now, this is, what I've, this is how I've heard this explained. There were 12 of them there. Well, yeah, I think 12 of them there. I don't, yeah, no, Judas had already, Judas had already um, betrayed him, so Judas
1: was not there. So there were 11. So two of them have a sword. And whenever they said, look,
0: here, here, here we have two swords. And Jesus said, that's enough swords. Well, wait a second. He just told every person, if you've got a purse, take it. If you've got a script or a possible's bag, take that and sell your coat and buy a sword. Well, we have two swords right here. Okay, that's enough. You don't need any more swords. That is absurd. It's illogical. It, it it makes my lord and master appear schizophrenic. Like he's like a schizoid that goes back and forth, like you can't follow him. We have to do a word study on this word in the King James. It is enough. It's translated elsewhere as meet, M-E-E-T. And what it meant is it is suitable for the task. All right? We have two swords. Jesus says it is suitable for the task. Those swords that you have, the types of swords that they have, the Roman gladius, a military grade weapon, uh, the 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 equivalent of the military grade weapons the Roman soldiers carried. We have two of those. Okay, then it's enough. That is adequate to the task for which I have told you, carry swords. Why would you carry a military-grade weapon? After Jesus said, you're going to be numbered among the transgressors, so
1: you need a sword, why do you think they were to carry a sword? Jesus wasn't telling them
0: two swords was enough. Jesus was telling them the types of swords that you have those are the types of sword that are adequate to the task for which i
1: have told you buy a sword if you don't have one all right connie i don't think so
0: i think he was speaking to the whole group connie says wasn't he just speaking to the one who had to the two swords i don't believe he was i believe he was still speaking to everybody which would make more sense like they th- think about a think about a um, uh, good night, Trish, Rick's. Uh, think about everybody. You got a you got a boss gathering his employees, and the boss says, "Look, if you don't have a coat and a tie that has three buttons on it, you can't work here." And one and, and so every one of you needs to have a coat and a tie with three buttons. And one fella holds up his coat and says, "I have two here." Or 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 two people say, "Well, we have two right here." And the boss says, "Yes, that's the coat I'm talking about. That is meat. That's 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 the equivalent of what of what was going on here. So, um, so anyway, that I don't think he was talking to just the one. I think there were two. In other words, there's no reason to carry two swords. I guess unless you unless you want to spare." But you have to at least have one in order to protect yourself. And we know Peter had a sword. Who do you th- who other, what other person do you think might have had a sword? I don't know. One of the other apostles carried a sword with him, though. So anyway, we, we everything that we read in Scripture in the New Testament concerning turn the other cheek, concerning love thy neighbor as thyself, Concerning love your enemies do, has to be interpreted through the lenses of the universal truth that a strong man armed uh, keepeth this palace, his goods are in peace. And this interpretation of this scripture that Christians are authorized to carry a military grade deadly weapon because they're going to be numbered amongst the transgressors. Now, you might say, well, Tony. Luke 22 there, that's only to the apostles. If that's only to the apostles, then the Great Commission doesn't apply to us either. Go ye into all the world and preach a gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That only applies to the apostles if, 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 if this only applies to the apostles. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, Gita, I think you're right. Simon the zealot would have had a sword. He was the one that was of the militant faction of this sect of Judaism that wanted to
1: overthrow the Romans. Anyway, now, whenever, um, where was I? At? Oh, yeah.
0: And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Jesus commanded his apostles, sell your coat and buy a sword when you go out on the commission. What would the apostles command the people that they taught? They would command what Jesus commanded them. You're going to go on a commission preaching and teaching the gospel? Be sure you carry your purse. Be sure you carry your script or your possibles bag. And if you don't have a sword, you need to sell your coat and buy
1: one. Folks, we have the right to carry a deadly weapon to defend ourselves. And evidently,
0: we also have a right to use that deadly weapon in keeping our palace safe when a strong man armed. Keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. Now, I think I've laid that foundation, but I've got a problem. Let's go right right over here, Romans chapter 12. Recompense, this is verse 17, Romans 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I wish I could remember the man's name. It has slipped my mind. I should have written it down. I don't trust my mind lately, my brethren. Maybe I'm getting old. Do you remember the tragic instance of the police officer who was a female who shot the young man who was either a student or graduate of Harding University? Would somebody please put his name in the comment section? I want to turn your attention to him for a while. That was terrible. That, that, that young man, his life snuffed out in the prime of it, of his life. And a very interesting thing happened. The judge talked about forgiveness. Botham, uh, Botham was his name. Um, so And I don't want to just call him Botham, though. I feel like that, I don't know if that's his last
1: name or his first name, but anyway, Botham is the one. Um, so this young man's family kind of rallied around this woman, and somebody gave her a Bible. That almost brought me to tears. Jean
0: Botham, that's right, Jean Botham. So the family of Jean Botham gave this woman a Bible. They showed her Christian love. I don't know if somebody kills one of my children. Both of them Jean, both of them Gene. That's right, His last name was Jean. Uh, if somebody killed one of my children,
1: tell me what person in the world is more an enemy of me than that person. How do I treat them? Do I hug them around the neck? Do I weep with them? Do I give them a Bible? God in heaven, I hope so. I don't think I would. I don't think I'm that strong, folks. The brother hugged her, not his whole family felt as he did. He was forgiving. Well, God bless the brother. And God bless the family, because I, I wouldn't have been able to hug her neck either. However, the illustration stands. I'm very emotional right now. That worked me up into a kind of an
0: emotion, a state of my mind that I don't often live in.
1: That's right, Wayne's Mercy on display. What's that got to do with self-defense? If, after the fact, you don't feed your enemy or give them to drink, if, after the fact, you take vengeance into your own hands, that is an abomination to God. Because God is the only one
0: that can serve vengeance. And if you'll read Romans chapter 13, the, the government, the secular government, wields the sword of vengeance against the evildoer.
1: So if someone breaks into my house and, God forbid, kills one of my family members, I hope that I would act as the brother of both them Jean acted.
0: I cannot go and find them and kill them because I am supposed to do good to my enemy. I am supposed to love those that
1: hate me. I'm supposed to treat them with kindness and love. However, there's a verse here that says If it is possible. Now, what does the phrase, if it is possible, imply?
0: It implies that it might not be possible, my brethren. If it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. What if you have a man that breaks into your house in the middle of the night and is trying to kill your family? Can you live peaceably with him?
1: When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. His material
0: possession, and I put forth to you that the word palace, is a figure of speech referred to as a synecdoche
1: that encompasses a man's loved ones as well everything that's in the palace, including his wife and children. That's it, as much as possible. It might not be possible. Notice recompense to no man evil for evil. It is not
0: evil to use your sword to defend yourself. Why would that be? Because even Jesus acknowledged when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are at peace. Even Satan, it's understood that he has the right to defend his house and the things that are in it. From Luke chapter 11. From Luke chapter 22.
1: Jesus said, sell your coat and buy a sword, because you're going to be numbered with the transgressors. All right. So it must not be
0: evil for me to defend myself with a deadly weapon. Now, does this apply to firearms? Well, yes, it does. The principle applies to firearms because it it applies to anything that the military carries. Does that mean if a nation takes away your ability to carry a firearm, that you would be allowed to break the law. I can't answer that question
1: for you. You've got to figure out in your own conscience what that allows you to do. I know that as for me and my house, we are going to be armed.
0: And I'm going to be armed to the point where I'm comfortable enough that I believe that I could neutralize a threat to my wife and my children. I might not fight as hard for my material possessions as I did, as I would have fought when I was younger. Remember, with old age, the blood kind of cools. But the question is asked with the commandment to love your enemies and to live peaceably with all men, how can you say that a Christian has the right to self defense? Well, First off, we're not commanded to live peacefully with all men. We're commanded to try our best to do so, with the understanding that it's not always going to work. Go to the book of James and notice that wisdom from above, even wisdom from above, it's not always peaceable. First it's pure, then it's peaceable. You know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. How can you make peace with somebody? Well, in the moment, if someone is trying to kill you, you cannot make peace with them. You have to neutralize the threat first.
1: Then you can try to make peace with them. That's the idea. I don't know. I guess I need to, I need, I guess I need to talk about vengeance. So remember,
0: the commandment in verse 19 is avenge not yourselves.
1: If thine enemy hunger, feed him. The commandment to feed your enemy and give them drink is the antithesis of vengeance.
0: So I am to love my enemies. I'm to do good to those that hate me. But if in the moment they're trying to kill me, then I can, I can defend my life. Because as I said, when a strong man's arm keeping his palace, is good to your peace, and then, of course, sell your coat and buy a
1: sword. Anyway, that's right. They can have my junk. They aren't harming my family. Um. So, I don't know any. I know it's a very short lesson tonight. A very short podcast
0: tonight. But I don't know how to. I don't know where to go with it anymore. The question is ask, How can you square? How can you reconcile? Uh, using deadly force to preserve one's life and the life of of our loved ones, with the commandment to love our enemies. It's because I'm not told to love my enemies
1: at my personal harm,
0: and all the objections to the contrary. I have to look at the authorization in Scripture. So if I can't, if in my conscience I'm thinking, well, I can't love my enemy and use deadly force if they're trying to kill me, then you're just going to have to die. But let me, let, me, let me put something out there. Most people who are pacifist, they're not really pacifists. They don't mind neutralizing a force, ne- neutralizing a threat with deadly force. They just want to neutralize that threat with deadly
1: force by proxy. They want to use somebody else. Because a pacifist, whenever
0: his, wife, whenever his home is broken into, he's going to pick up the phone and dial 911, and the police are going to come and going to shoot the intruder. What's the difference? The intruder's done. If you're truly a pacifist and somebody breaks into your home, you better not dial 911 if you think that you can't neutralize that threat with deadly force. Um, that's why I'm, I'm not a fan of this idea of pacifism. Most folks are not really pacifists.
1: They just want somebody else to do their dirty work. All right. Anybody got any questions or comments? I think
0: I'm done. I think I've answered the question. Before we even consider the question, we have to admit that the Scripture authorizes Christians to carry deadly weapons and to use deadly force, because there would be no reason to use a deadly weapon if you didn't if you, uh, if you, there would be no reason to, um, there would be no reason to carry the, the deadly weapon if
1: you weren't authorized to use it. I'll get it out in a minute. Absolutely, Scott. I believe that also applies
0: to the protection of the saints during service. Uh, that's it, and it's like there's no atheist in the foxhole. That's right. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you something. Uh, do you remember in Texas? when that guy walked into that Church of Christ and killed two people with a shotgun, and luckily there was people there who were armed and neutralized that threat, how many more people would he have killed? Oh, Scott Beck got me already. Think of the lives Jack Wilson saved when he shot the intruder
1: at the Texas church. He saved many. Because without a gun... Without without
0: proper force to counteract that, without proper force from that from those who were good to counteract the force of those who were evil,
1: many people would have died. Again, this whole idea of pacifism—I don't believe Christians should uh,
0: practice self-defense and harm people because we got to love people, but they'll pick up the phone and dial nine one one and let the police do their dirty work. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. All right. Anyway, um, any questions or comments that I'm I'm just going to end a little
1: early tonight and I'm going to use this audio for my podcast tomorrow. um, Connie Barden, I'm not sure. I'm really not. Um, aren't Quakers
0: non-believers in any type of self-defense? Are they still Quakers? Are they still Quakers, Connie? I don't know. I th- I think the Quakers, the the Puritans, as we might call them, they were they were pacifists. They wouldn't. And, and, and they wouldn't even pick up the phone. But they were true pastors. I got more respect for them. They wouldn't even pick up the phone and dial 911. They would just let you kill them. Oh, what about time of war? Do we fight? So time of war, that, that, that is a little bit interesting. Um, the governments are obviously authorized to go to war. I think it's a lot easier question to answer if there's an actual side of good and evil. Now, if, you're, if you've been conscripted into a war, and uh, like, for instance, let's say in the first century, you were a Roman and you were a slave, well, you wouldn't be a Roman citizen and be a slave, but let's say you were in Rome and you were a slave, and you happened to be in possession of physical prowess, uh, you might be conscripted into the army. Um, what do you do? Do you fight, or do you sacrifice your life? I don't want to answer. I don't want to be. I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going all the way back to World War II, though. I believe that, you, that every soldier in World War II is totally justified in fighting the Nazis and the powers that be that were trying to take over the world. Um, the United States today... I've got some issues. I might tell young Christian men, hey, you probably don't need to go to the army or you don't probably don't need to go to the armed forces because, uh, we have a tendency to get into wars for which there is no, um,
1: there's no moral right or wrong. That's an issue of conscience though. I couldn't bind that on anybody.
0: Connie says her husband was drafted and he had no choice in the matter. Man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a judgment call on that if my life depended on it, and my soul may depend on it, because if I make a judgment call, it might be my soul that's called into jeopardy. Each one has to figure that out for themselves. But, Henry, to answer your question, what about the time of war do we fight? If you can, conscious, if you can conscientiously fight, and you believe in the cause, and you believe that you're right. I believe that a Christian is authorized to be uh, in the military. One of the reasons that I would say that is because, um, one of the reasons I would say that is because of Cornelius. Cornelius did not receive instructions to leave the Roman army. Nothing in the New Testament ever addresses this, therefore it's a non-issue. If you you obey the gospel and you're in the army, you're a soldier, just remain a soldier. But now, I I remember whenever I was apostate and I was training Tennessee walking horses, in my conscience, I got to where I couldn't train Tennessee walking horses, not the show horses, because what they do to the show horses what I did to the show horses, and it was just industry standard. It was sinful. It was harmful to the horse. And there's a proverb that says you can tell a wicked man by how he treats his animals. Uh, Well, now I can't think of the verse. Um, it's, It's like Proverbs 10, 12, or 12, 10, or something like
1: that. Give me just a second. I'll try to find it. Proverbs 10, 12, 12, 10. That's terrible. I can't remember that. All right, Proverbs 10. Nope. How about 12, 10? It's 12, 10. I ought to listen to me more.
0: A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. There's no way conscientiously that I could train, show horses, and win, and regard the life of my beast. We had to mistreat them. Well, according to the parallelism here, the tender mercies of the wicked are Cruel. So that's why we have laws to protect animals. Now, what does this have to do with fighting in the army?
1: I couldn't conscientiously train horses, so I had to quit. If you convert to Christianity and you feel so strongly that the war that you're fighting in is immoral, you probably need to get out of the army.
0: I can't answer that question. I can't, and and inevitably, whenever I I say something like that, somebody asks the question, well, what about my cousin who's in the Army right now? I can't, I can't, I can't talk about that. You know, I talk about suicide a lot, and I don't believe suicide is necessarily a punch ticket to hell. And when I explain myself and we dig into it, somebody inevitably raises their hand and says, well, what about my uncle? Oh, sweet, sweet brother or sister, I can't. I can't make a judgment about your uncle. So when it comes to you today in the Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, whatever branch of the military you're in, Coast Guard, National Guard, you have to work that out. You have to to figure out where you land. And I couldn't tell you because the Bible doesn't tell you. The Bible gives us liberty there,
1: liberty of conscience. So, anyway. Okay. Um. <laughs> Deborah O'Neill says, I remember in the mid-'70s, drill sergeants would march their men to church
0: services where I went, and we were a good long ways from the base. And, yes, Connie, they do. They have positions for those in the military who don't want to carry a gun. Yeah, you all y'all to look up Alvin C. York, Sergeant York. I believe he was World War I, though. He was from Tennessee. All right. Good topic tonight. It shared a lot of thoughts. It shared a lot of light on a lot of thoughts. Well, good deal. And Melissa Price says, righteous judgment in a situation is okay, especially to protect a life. That's right. I, I, I think we're authorized to preserve our, well, I don't think, I know, we're authorized to preserve our life and the life of our loved ones. Uh, just from those two verses. And there are a multiplicity of other verses. Yes, it is a great movie, Connie. All right, guys, I think I've answered this enough. Um, we are authorized to defend ourselves using deadly force, even in light of the fact that we're commanded to love our enemies and do good to those that hate us. What we are not allowed to do is take vengeance. But self-defense in the moment is different than vengeance. Um, I appreciate y'all so much. I'm so glad you've tuned in. Uh, For those of you that are listening to this after the fact on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you listen, be sure to like and subscribe, and uh, be sure to uh, check out everything that Digital Bible Study has to offer. God bless y'all. Thank you so much, and um, thank you for the good comments. My name's Tony Brewer, and you've been listening to Cogitations,
1: and we'll catch you On the flip side.